I think entrepreneurs that want to help with water. So if like you're, you've like gotten ahead and you see people who don't have water, your instinct is to want to help, you want to mm-hmm. jump in and do something good. But you know, anybody that's been a boss, the thing that gives you the most like pride is when the person you've tried to help doesn't need your help anymore. Yes. You know, it's, it's when they go off to the other career, they've done whatever else. We see that with our relationship with children. You know, what's the best thing that could happen with their kids? Well, they go off and have successful lives and careers. Hello there. Thank you for stopping by on Doers Within Us podcast. My name is Jacob Cotton. I'm the founder and host. And I really want to thank you for being here in this podcast. We talk about just amazing stories of diverse and minority founders and investors who are making a difference in their communities, building amazing companies, or came out with a very amazing idea that is just creating a ripple effect across their communities. So I want to invite you to join this movement uh, on the What's Within Us podcast to hear these amazing stories. And we're looking forward to see you every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Hello, everyone. Happy 2023. Thank you so much for stopping by again on the Doors Within Us podcast, or if this is your first time, thanks for being here. Today, we have an amazing guest with us, Matt Hagen, who is the president and the CEO of Waterfall.org. So Waterfall.org is an organization I'm working with at the moment and provide clean water to millions of people across Africa. And today, we'll be talking about a new series that we, I launched with the Waterfall team called the VHS Profit Series, the VHS Profit Series. And this is all about bringing together entrepreneurs and investors who are going to be a part of this movement alongside a fund we are launching this year, VHS Profit Fund, to invest in entrepreneurs across Africa, both in training or financially, and just building a community to support entrepreneurs that specifically in the essential goods and services. So this includes water, electricity, logistics, and all that. So thank you so much. Uh, this is going to be a very interesting episode. We're going to talk about Matt's background, how he got into waterfall.org and the value of virtuous profit, what it means in communities like Africa and how you can get involved. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and thank you so much for being here. Hello everyone. It's such an honor to have an amazing guest today. But before I get started, you know, this is a series called the VHS Profit Fund Series. And the premise of this series, which we're going to talk uh, in this conversation with uh, the amazing guests, I'll do a brief introduction. It's all about how can we, you know, most entrepreneurs, especially in Africa or Syria entrepreneurs, have always had the effort to start a business, mostly time water-related projects. In some one way or the other, they've learned from that experience uh, and it has helped them to understand on how to impact other projects on the African continent. With my work at uh, Waterfall, who I'm privileged and honored to have the president, Matt, here, we are working on this series. We call it the Virtuous Profit Fund series, the Pan-African Alliance podcast series. But our vision here is that we want to build an ecosystem that you know can elevate a lot of stakeholders within the Pan-African network but also kind of highlight the importance of collaboration and partnership as we continue to build and create the fund that we hope that will encompass building potential entrepreneurs that are focused on prosperity and profitable businesses. So I think it is safe and fair to say that the first guest for this series is no other than Matt Hagen. And just from my time knowing him last year, 
when I had a quick trip to Sierra Leone, actually this year, it seemed like it was last year, mm-hmm. uh, Matt eludes a lot of uh, just amazing qualities of, a, of his very sound entrepreneur, the president of Waterfall, and just an amazing human being. So to kick off our series, please, Matt, it's an honor to have you. It's an honor for you to give me the opportunity to have this conversations begin with you on how we can build a, a network of entrepreneurs that are building a profitable businesses, perhaps that came from the social enterprise space and now transitioning to a more profitable network. So thank you so much for being here. And if you don't mind, just give us a kind of a brief introduction. Brief intro, Matt. Yeah, lots of different tales could be told. I uh, yeah, I'm CEO of Water Four. I grew up in a uh, rural context in southern U.S. in a state called Alabama, in a small farming community. And yeah, I call myself sort of a philosopher redneck. Redneck for those of you that uh, aren't familiar with the term, just means that we kind of thrive in a, a scarcity environment. And sort of pride ourselves of being able to make do with what's lying around us. And so I. Uh, Went off to Africa, like many people from the U.S., trying to just help do good. But I had had mentors who told me that the greatest good I could ever accomplish was helping people discover their ability to help themselves. And so my first engagement in international development and and working in sub-Saharan Africa was going in from the belief of my own background and being mentored to say, you know, don't look at the surface of material poverty in Africa, look at what's deep within the people that are there and help them discover how to advance their lives with the things that lie around them as I have, you know, in my own personal life. So that journey started back in 2005. Mm-hmm. So um, about 17 years of trying to empower and equip and it's been a thrill to be a part of. Yeah, and it's has, it has been a, quite an amazing journey. Looking from a distance and reading uh, about the the work of Waterfall and how much we have as an organization, uh, the impact we have. Millions of people have been able to not have access to clean water with the WASH project, uh, with the Numan Nows, uh, which I'll kind of give more description about Nows in this episode below. Such amazing impact on the work. Before we actually get into what Waterfall does, and we're going to talk briefly about Waterfall, can you just give a brief history of your work as a missionary? I know you alluded to the fact that you you moved to Africa at some point where this all started. Can you just share how, just share the journey a little bit because I think yeah. it builds on that. Yeah. So I had the wisdom as a 20-year-old to want to join a mission team that already existed. I realized that I was so entrepreneurial that I would just, you know, risk bursting on the scene with a bunch of good ideas that were going to be bad ideas after all. And I've been an entrepreneur long enough to know that. And so the, a team had been in Togo in West Africa for uh, about 10 years and were leaving. And they had been a part of planting 35 churches. And what they asked me to do was to help those churches who had been planted go from being dependent on missionary support, missionary teaching, sort of missionary, you know, oversight And so there was this idea that I was coming to help people realize their own ability to self-govern, self-support, self-propagate, and self-theologize, these four selves of Christian missions. And so I jumped in at 25 years old into Togo. I've been married for a year and a half, Uh, went and learned French in France at a small language school and sold everything we owned and, you know, gave everything else away and moved across the world. (laughs) And that was my initial journey. And 
part of the self-sufficiency was job creation. And one of the things that sort of overlapped was actually one of the pastors of a church that we were working with. His son died of waterborne illness. And uh, we were there at his loss at the hospital. And in response to that loss, uh, actually was able to build a well drilling kit from scrap metal, from pipes, from spring steel, and drill a well at the school that Olivier, this little little nine-year-old, went to. And coming out of drilling that well, not only was it redemptive for the village to really you know, see themselves deliver clean water from their own ground, you know, with their own resources and own people. But then everyone around me said, can you teach us how to do this in more places? And can we do more of these? And that, that led to the starting of five small well drilling businesses. And then us really trying to have a solution that was tailored around affordability at a local context, not the assumption of aid and charity being what fueled all those things. So I quickly went from missionary to a redneck well driller after being on the ground for about a year in Togo. That's such an incredible story. I think it alludes to the fact that sometimes when you are in the community and you actually experience what they experience is you get to build something that is is meant for the people. And I think that experience of a very unfortunate event kind of led you to not just internalize it, but actually give the freedom to think from the community aspect and give you that freedom to take away all those assumptions that we make, you know, from a distance. So that is very commendable. And I think that shows in how Waterfall has been run and how we work with our local partners on the ground. So thank you so much for sharing that and kind of actualizing that in in our work uh, as we get here. So when these people asked you to teach them and you started the five kind of small businesses, how did this materialize over time and how did that eventually lead you to Waterfall? Yeah. Yeah. So we had built our own drilling equipment and it wasn't very great because, you know, <laughs> I'm not an engineer. I'm just, again, a redneck. And uh, and so stuff would break all the time and we would lose pipe into the ground 100 feet down. And we were, you know working really hard, but I was on the internet trying to figure out if anyone else had, you know, figured out a way to do what I was doing. Because most entrepreneurs think they're the only person that's ever had a great idea. So, you know, six or seven months into it, I thought maybe I should see if anyone else has tried to do this. And so Water 4 had actually just launched a website. And uh, so I emailed them and said, hey, you know, I've done, you know, a dozen wells by hand, built their own equipment. We've got these, you know, five small businesses. The villages that were drilling wells in are actually paying us to drill and covering the cost of the materials for the wells we're drilling. And Water 4 had made drilling equipment in a pump. That was their sort of first stab at things as their solution was an engineering one. So I said, can you send me pictures of it? I'll copy your materials. And they said, well, we'll do you one better than that. We actually can be there in three months. We'll bring the drilling equipment. We'll bring our pumps. We'd love to meet you. And so that was sort of a match made in heaven. I, you know, already had inertia from what had been started. And so when I got a hold of better equipment and a better pump than I had designed, we went from 12 to 35 wells, you know, in the next 12 months and then 75 and then hundred. And so we really started to scale once we had their support, better equipment that led to just a lot of confidence. I think in water fours board of directors where they saw me eventually I went from Togo to working in, you know, 
two dozen other countries training and trying to replicate what we had done in other places. And over the course of five years of doing that, I got the opportunity to become a chief operations officer and then a CEO, which was not on my radar as a... <laughs> it's a learning experience. It's a learning experience. So once you send that email, just curious, did they get back to you? Was it like, who is this person emailing? <laughs> no, I think like uh, they were telling a church that they weren't going to come to Togo for a church trip because the pastor in Southern Togo said that there was, you know, granite everywhere and no water. And, you know, so they were going, how could we ever drill a well by hand in a place that's solid granite and has no water? So part of my email is they asked me if I knew this area. And so I said, yeah, I know that area. I think I could get a well in there. And they were like, great. So, you know, I just happened to be, it was the uh, serendipity of the stars aligning to have, you know, me foolish enough to go to a place that was going to be really difficult to drill at and them having a church group interested in the U.S. And so the stars kind of aligned and yeah, I think it was great. I was using dynamite, you know, I was like getting dynamite from the Catholic sisters and and blasting rock out of the out of these hand dug wells. And I was this rogue American, you know, a cowboy is anyone that's ever met one of us over there knows the type doing all this sort of crazy stuff and they they thought it was great. You know, such a, such an amazing uh, alignment of visions, but also just the actualization of purpose. I think that's a great alignment of that and with how we position ourselves in the right place and the right time, you know, um, kind of leads to wonders. So now being at Waterfall and, you know, as leading the organization for a couple of years now, uh, what do you think is the business model that makes it different? Uh, you know, when it's pretty unique, the business model Waterfall, and it's something that we're iterating as we go, uh, as we look in the future 2023 and beyond. What do you think makes it different from other NGOs, nonprofits that are perhaps working in the same space or different or essential goods? I think it's this fundamental belief. It goes back to the belief that the solutions for problems exist where the problems exist. So it's it's the idea that like just because people are earning $2 a day doesn't mean that it's impossible for them to have access to basic needs. And, you know, the idea that a need is a market. Yep. And, you know, this is a fundamental principle of business that says, you know, rather than to try to create subsidies and aid to solve problems, we actually think the need is an opportunity and that if we provide people with what they need inside a market, that need can be met and sustained through the power of business. Exactly, exactly. And I think going at a little bit of an extension to that is we look at the people we provide the service, not just as consumers, but as customers, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and this is something that's very, it's put out there on the website of Waterfall. How can you just give a more in-depth analysis of what you think uh, consumer versus customer and why many nonprofits don't see that, they don't see that transition from a consumer to a customer? Yeah, I think most even call it beneficiary. They don't even use consumer. You know, it's like, you know, this idea that they're the person who benefits from the aid, not customer. And yeah, I think it's good intentions. I think when we see people who are in a lower socioeconomic class or in a situation of material poverty, we feel the initial instinct is almost pity. And then we feel pity for them. And pity and compassion, you know, kind of like run side by side. 
And I think just the instinct to help is really strong. And so we create solutions that are based on where people are now, assuming that they'll always be there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, my history of coming up through socioeconomic classes was one of like being in material poverty is a place you may find yourself throughout your life, but it's opportunity and business and the availability of products that better your life that let you move out of that economic class, you know, into other ones. And so I think our working hypothesis is that access to safe, convenient, reliable water will mean that people don't stay in the same, you know, socioeconomic class and that going from $2 to $2 and 20 cents because of the time savings, the health savings, you know, all these other benefits of clean water will actually give people significant leverage to begin to, to move themselves up, you know, exactly. a, a social ladder. So, you know, it's just, there's a whole industry in the aid and in the aid sector that's built around the assumption that where people are is where they'll always be. And business is more asset based. And it thinks that the need is the opportunity for market. And by providing for the need, the customer will flourish as well as the business that provides it. And, and both will advance together. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it sounds like Water for Us. Uh, it's like your business school. You have, uh, you speak like a business professor and an express entrepreneur. But yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I think that's that's the essence of how, you know, the evolution of this series is to really highlight the value of looking at people, not to pity them, but to see them as uh, you dignify them. And we're going to go into virtuous profit, which is, I think we have to trademark the name because it came from uh, from you. But I think that there's some element of dignity, which is embedded in our in our faith based on what waterfall stands for. Like every human is as valuable reflection of God's image from our faith. But, you know, can you just talk a little bit about that? Because I'm, I'm transitioning yeah. into virtuous profit. How do you, first, what is virtuous profit? Let's just get into that. Then. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm like a reactionary personality, if you haven't figured it out already. I think it's on my <laughs> forehead. But what I sensed was like, there was this idea that profit was greed. And it's like, we're in this cultural moment where to profit is to be associated with greed. And I realized, how can people move out of poverty if they don't profit? Exactly. Profit is what enables the, you know, the forward movement out of poverty into a better life situation. And by creating an environment of aid or an environment of charity that's against profit, we were making sure the only people that were profiting were the people working in the aid industry. <laughs> and, uh, you know, those that were being helped were not going to profit and we need them to profit so that they can you know move ahead. So the idea of virtuous profit is to really redefine profit as a measure of good. Profit is a measure of value being provided to a customer. And so you can profit off bad things, but let's assume profit is virtuous rather than assume profit is a vice. Yes. You know, let's make that the normative assumption is that profit is the creation of good. I, you know, in a blog I wrote, I wrote that profit is the fruit on a tree. It's the energy and excess to what the tree needed to live that is provided for our nourishment and benefit. Exactly. And if something doesn't profit, it doesn't create excess. And the creation of excess is what allowed my mom to put herself through school when I was a kid, you know, allowed them to send me to a, a private school when I got kicked out of public school. You know, it, it lets us pay our medical bills. It lets us, you know, have leisure. And so profit is actually a really virtuous thing that enables us to do a lot of good. Definitely. And I love the the comparison to a fruit, right? 
you can have a good fruit and a bad fruit. But I mean, that comparison is very fair because, you know, it's, it comes from a tree, but you need good soil. You need, you know, a lot of input of of making that tree function to to grow well, right? And and if your focus is just to get the fruit, you know, we have to go back to the basics. How do we kind of get a tree to grow successfully? So you have to create an environment for people to see themselves and beyond what they see themselves, right? And every everyone at the top is fighting for these ideas of equality, but you know, everyone who's fighting to get their way up, it's is fighting to get ahead. Yes. You know, if you go to a village or go to a trailer park in, you know, in, in America or in Africa, whatever it is, I mean, people there, it's not a concern with equality. It's like the people who are working really hard to get ahead, we want them to be able to get ahead because that's how other people will get ahead too. Exactly. And so it was, you know, it's a move against, you know, the sort of ideas of growth as a negative thing to growth and profit as what enables positive change in the world. Definitely, definitely. Why do you think profit has a such a, a dirty word? It's pop culture and corporatism. You know, there's this a lot. There's the you know the whole like Wall Street image of profit, and I think we've also fallen prey to the idea that for one person to profit, it means another person had a loss. Whereas what business does, and Adam Smith, you know, first you know delivered this news is that business actually grows the pie; it doesn't shrink the pie when you multiply labor when you you know actually do business and trade more wealth is created out of nothing yes. instead of you know wealth being reduced and we see this with water where the you know the person that spends three cents a day getting piped water in their house in africa actually generates another 20 cents because of the time savings that they have from not having to walk wait in line you know just time alone that turned that into productive use Definitely. So, yeah, I think it's just, yeah, we, we are a jealous and envious race, you know, as humans. And we just think that if someone else gets ahead, it came at our cost. And I think we've made ourselves naive to our own profit potential, our own ability to create good. And we're in a society where other people benefit from that message because it allows them to put themselves in power to protect us from those that are profiting. Yes. So you can profit off the idea that other people are profiting. So there's there's just a lot of that stuff. Is is this mortal yet? We can still go deep and deep. <laughs> yes. Well, all I know is a person in Africa that's selling tomatoes wants to profit. Yes. You know, and they think profit's a good thing, and it's how to benefit their lives. And I know where you know where I came from, and watching my family buy you know junk cars that were had blown motors, they'd work nights and weekends to fix them up, to sell them, to have a little extra. Because exactly. that little extra is what enabled us to, you know, get ahead step by step. Exactly, exactly. I, that makes a lot of sense. And I completely agree with that. I, you know, you have been in this space for quite some time. And uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, you can be a role model for how people think about, you know, social enterprise, but how can it be sustainable? And I think at the very premise of it is how do we transition from this mindset of, you know, beneficiaries, you know, kind of just supporting, you know, kind of, I'm trying to help you rather than like, I want to get you to a point where you can sustain yourself. How do we make this conversation mainstream? How do we build like an alliance? Because this is the premise of the series. How do we build an alliance? Yeah. 
I think entrepreneurs that want to help with water. So if like you're, you've like gotten ahead and you see people who don't have water, your instinct is to want to help, you want to jump in and do something good. But, you know, anybody that's been a boss, the thing that gives you the most like pride is when the person you've tried to help doesn't need your help anymore. Yes. You know, it's, it's when they go off to the other career, they've done whatever else. We see that with our relationship with children. You know, what's the best thing that could happen with their kids? Well, they go off and have successful lives and careers. I don't want to use like a, the idea of paternalism with helping people who are in poverty. But when it comes to if you see helping someone in poverty get ahead as a way of mentoring them, you know, where you want to actually come alongside them and you are in a position of power because you have more financial means than they do. But the goal of your position of financial uh, strength is to help them have their own financial strength mm-hmm. rather than just giving what you have away as much as possible. All the solutions that we bring should enable people to become their own, you know, their own heroes, their own solutions. Exactly. And so whenever you're going to try to, if it's water or if it's food or if it's whatever else, I think the idea is for as much as possible, I'm joining a hero as a mentor but the goal is for that hero to go beyond me and become a mentor to someone else exactly. rather than stay in the position of hero, which is unfortunately what happens if all we do is, you know, continue to give things away. Exactly. Exactly. And may I add an extension, right? When you keep on helping someone, you have, there's a limit because it's coming out of your own uh, resources. But what if you, you enable the person to see the untapped resources that he or she has? So the, the ceiling now is, you know, it gets really, really high. Yeah. We work, you know, we've created like 650 jobs. And so it's like, you know, imagine all of these people with all this, you know, late potential out there across these nine countries in Sub-Saharan Africa doing all this good with their families or communities or clients. And, you know, like that's how you change the world is by continuing to help people untap their own potential. Yes. Um, Yes, and that's how we ensure prosperity in these communities, sustainable prosperity in these communities. So as we kind of close this first episode of this series, what would you suggest to our future partners uh, who are joining us in this movement as we go along this virtuous profit journey? This is going to be mentioned, hashtag virtuous profit, hashtag. (laughs) No, I think like everybody that's watching this, that's crazy, driven, entrepreneurial, wants to see change happen in the world. Like give that virus away (laughs) to to others, you know, like our job should be to create solutions that infect that passion, curiosity, and craving for a better world to others. And so I'd say join us in a virtuous profit, you know, movement to show that the idea of ambition is something that's good for the world and that our entrepreneurship is not a disease that needs to be cured. It's a disease that needs to be shared. And, you know, we need to help get beside people who have been told that they're powerless to help them discover the power that lies within them. And so, you know, whatever solutions we can be a part of, we know that there are people out there that are just waiting, you know, it's like, they're just waiting to have that ignition point. And so let's, let's build businesses that do that. Let's bring people, you know, to a place where they can see change, you know, let's prove that business is a force for good, not a force for greed. And I think when we do that, we'll see a lot of new innovation. We'll see a lot of new creativity, a lot of new you know, genius appear in the world. And I think our next geniuses are those people that are in places right now that are being overlooked, who are undistracted, who are waiting to see something happen. And um, 
I get really excited, as you can tell, to know that I get the chance to be a part of that. And I want everyone listening to be a part of that too. Most definitely. I was getting hyped up when you... (laughs) (laughs) Let's go, let's go. Let's Uh, do it. Let's do it. Uh, No, thank you so much, Matt, for your time, for sharing your insights, uh, sharing your story. And to all our listeners out there, this is the first of a long series on how we build uh, ecosystem here at Waterfall. Just inviting all of you, as Matt said, to join us as we continue to really build the next generation of entrepreneurs who are hungry to bring prosperity in their communities and become the, the heroes of their own story in their own right, within their own faculties, within their own uh, their own bodies. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Matt. Looking forward to seeing you guys in the next episode in this series. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Matt Hagen, a president and CEO of Waterfall.org. We hope that you can join us in this movement, uh, the Virtuous Profit uh, Movement. And more importantly, we hope that you stay alert about our Virtuous Profit Fund, which is a part of this initiative to invest in entrepreneurs across Africa. So hope you're inspired and hope you join this movement. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for stopping by on Doers Within Us podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find us on Instagram as well as on Twitter at Doers Within, D-O-E-R-S Within, Doers Within. And we hope to continue the conversation there. In the meantime, please feel to subscribe to the episode on Spotify and in other platforms that you listen to your podcast. Thank you so much. And we hope to see you next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. <laughs>